Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. check this podcast and today i got mark back and to twist his arm a little bit this makes back uh, so soon too i know if if you actually show up for friday's episode of the morning after we'll have been on the same show five times in a single week you know you'll be fed up with me and have to take like two or three weeks off oh i barely made it today and i only came because two of our co-hosts were in their cars apparently well, that will happen from time to time since we are a uh, morning road show. <laughs> but today we are going to recap the LP Florida gubernatorial uh, debate that we had on Layton's um, outlawed thoughts last night. So last night, Magoo and I went on outlawed thoughts with Layton to talk about why he and I disagree with the running of Hector for uh, governor in Florida against DeSantis. And and we say against DeSantis because he's not running against the Democrats, honestly. Like this is it's a the way they're the way they're structuring their argument they're running against DeSantis uh so so we wanted to address that and we got a chance to talk about that and so I wanted to take today as an opportunity to kind of recap that for what are my opinions on why you don't run somebody against a DeSantis or even in like Georgia you don't run against a Kemp for as bad as DeSantis may be on red flag stuff and some other particular things for as bad as Kemp might be on certain stuff and and Kemp is kind of a, a squishy Republican. Like you don't run a libertarian candidate against these uh what have been otherwise good governors, especially where you when you look at the COVID regime and things that have happened over the last two years. Like while they may be 
either squishy or not good on certain specific topics. What you have to kind of look at is the overall, what have they done for their states over the last two years? And what is the opposition? Like when you're looking at Georgia, we're talking about fucking Stacey Abrams. When you're looking at, at Florida, you're talking about Nikki Freed, who I know a bunch of them have said she's really not that bad. Um, do you follow her on Twitter? Like she is pretty fucking awful. And says she's not that bad. A bunch of the Florida uh, libertarians, they say that uh, Nikki Freed is not that's that. That's the bad. argument right there. Then. <laughs> right. Like, like do you, have you paid attention to any of the things that she said publicly over the last, I don't know, six months? Like she is every bit of that bad. And then I, I can't remember what the other guy's name is. Um, Chris the, or something. He's, the meth head? No, no. He oh, he, no. No, he's in jail. Um, is he? Uh, last time I saw he was in jail. I don't know. They might have let him out. He is a uh, he is a Democratic politician. I guess if all. he was available, the LP would probably run him over. <laughs> that's that's what the LP should have done. Is They should have gotten him out of jail and run him. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Andrew Gill. Um, now the other guy that's running is... Charlie Crist. That's the, that's it. I knew his last name was Chris, but I, I couldn't remember. Which he was something. Before, was he like a senator yeah. before or something? No, he he is a former Florida governor. Oh, okay. He's also run for governor and lost on three separate occasions. Once as a Democrat, once as a Republican, and once as an independent. And so now he's running again as a Democrat. Like, I don't know. That, it, it, I guess there's a chance that he could beat out uh, Nikki Freeze as the as the Democratic nominee, but it feels like she's got the momentum in her corner, um, especially when you consider that he's already lost three times, like running in different. You know, I guess there's a chance he could he could get the nomination, but I, I think the state of Florida has pretty soundly rejected you there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now you got the trifecta, right? You like if you. Else. You, you won once, and they realized it was a bad idea, and they they've rejected you three other times in every different party you could run under. So maybe it's maybe time to hang it up. Uh, but he's still running, so I guess there is always a chance. But I think Nikki Freeze will be the one. Um, she just seems to have the momentum based on what I've seen, you know, from on she social media a lot on Twitter. I've noticed this. Well, I mean, that's the thing is you have to say gay because that that's the way you stand in opposition to Ron DeSantis. Is I wish you gay would have asked and, Hector last night what his stance was on the gay bill. Did you ask him? Did anybody ask him that? No, it just didn't seem, I don't know. It didn't seem pertinent. Like, so one of the big things, let's, we'll, we'll go ahead and dig right into it. Like the big thing that they did talk about was, um, DeSantis's position on red flag laws and stuff like that. So what did you, what's kind of your takeaway on that part of the argument? And, and like, and then I'll talk about what I had proposed as the, like a legitimate solution to that would be. Let me first say that the only reason I tuned in last night was because you were there. <laughs> I've got to go fend for my boy. <laughs> uh, I know you love me. Yeah. And since you did turn me down on joining me on that. I wasn't going to bring that part up. 
and say Magoo was my Magoo was my second option for my Magoo uh, was a better choice than me for well, that for that situation. I kind of suspected he would be, but since we regularly do shows together like this, uh, it it seemed fitting to to ask you and and I I appreciate that you you uh, you turned me down. Fair enough. So as far as the right, the pushing DeSantis to the right on gun laws or whatever, like I don't. I first heard this idea. Um, I can't remember who for like who first proposed it. Kurt the Libertarian on Twitter, maybe like last year. Uh, was I think he's the first one that brought up like Dave Smith running on the Republican platform. I don't know if those uh, talked about it too, but. It, I think Kurt's the one that says to push like the other candidates to the right. And I don't, I just don't think that that were, it works that way. on like the general population. Like, I think more than anything, you were actually like causing voters to double down on their guy and you're repulsing them. Like, I think I said this to you uh, privately, Ron Paul in 2008, and in 2012, like, did he push those candidates to the right or did he push them to more of an anti-war stance or did he make them double down on their more neocon stances? I think it was, it's, the latter is true. Right. Especially when you look at 2008, 2012, look at the candidates that ended up getting the nomination. Like it didn't. Yes. Ron Paul had this huge momentum and there are all the clips of his debates. And, you know, there's the Giuliani moment. There's all of these different things that didn't push the Republicans to be more libertarian. If anything, it pushed them to alienate that part of their group. So like you're not running a libertarian on this platform and pushing them from the outside. Like if you're going to actually have an impact and you're going to do anything. And and I guess, you know, Ron Paul was running as a, as a Republican. So maybe there is something that's, you know, but everyone knew he was libertarian, right? Right. That he was the only libertarian on the stage. Right. So, you know, like, like to my, to my point, what I was saying is like, you're not, you're not affecting change at the governor's position by running somebody against the governor. If you want to actually make meaningful change in your state, you have to do it at a legislative level. And whether that means that you run somebody for, so like in the instance of Florida, there's like 45 or 47 state house and Senate seats that are going uncontested. Now these are all, these are all Republicans who are running without a democratic challenger. Many of these are not incumbents. Like those are the, those are the positions that are ripe for the picking. If it's, if it's an incumbent running unopposed, then you have a very low percentage chance statistically of unseating that person. But if it's not an incumbent and they're running unopposed, especially in a, you know, in a state like Florida where it's a Republican and often a bad Republican, like it's a, all the things that they said that DeSantis was bad on, like the red flag laws and stuff like that. Like those are things that you can, you can run as a libertarian and you can push on those things and you can turn votes away from a bad Republican towards you. 
while at the same time capturing 100% of the Democratic vote just for the simple fact that you don't have an R next to your name. Like, these are winnable races. And at the legislative level, that's where you make the change. Like, okay, you run against DeSantis as the as a governor candidate, and you get 1% of the vote, because that's probably what you're getting. Let's say you even do as well as whoever the guy was that they were mentioning that ran several years ago and got like 200,000 votes or something. Ooh, you got, you got 2% of the vote. All right. They don't give a shit. They don't. They, like that, no. that doesn't put a dent in anything that they're thinking about. They're not changing. Like, And not only that, but DeSantis's view on red flag laws and all of that, if the legislature is standing in opposition to that, then it doesn't matter because the legislature can overrule him on that and keep him from putting red flag laws in place. Uh, it's like, like what happened here in Indiana was we had a tyrannical Republican governor in 2020 and in 2021, the state legislature stripped him of his emergency powers. So he got to do all of his tyrant bullshit and then they stripped all of those powers away from him and didn't let him do it anymore. The legislature is where the change is made and can be actually enacted. And if you can't win those positions, then you find lobbies, you find groups, activist groups that are in the pockets of those legislators. And you use those to dictate policy. You use those to change how things are being done. It's the reason that, and like this was something that kind of pissed me off, was they're like, well, it doesn't work that way. You can't do that. that. That doesn't work. And then I brought up how in Indiana, that's literally why we have constitutional carry is because they got in with the right groups and those groups pushed the legislation and the legislation got in constitutional carry. Same thing in Georgia. Like you can't tell me that it doesn't work when you have two prime examples in both Indiana and Georgia, the states that me and Magoo, who are arguing against you, are from where it's worked because of that specifically. Uh, but all you can say is, well, that's not the way it works. It's, that's literally the way it works. If you, and, and what you need, what do you say? $150,000 for his governor's campaign. You know how far that $150,000 goes towards pushing a lobby group to, to go after the right people and make these changes. They're talking about how it's like millions of dollars. No, it's really not like you don't need that much money that these are, these are people who like Hector for as much as he talked about how, how long he spent working with the libertarian party. I don't feel like he spent that time working in actual government and politics. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it didn't seem that way from what I saw. Even, uh, even Bitchmer had her powers, uh, removed from her from the legislator after, I mean, she, it was worse here than it was in Indiana. As far as lives, worse here than most of the states as far as lockdowns go. And then the Supreme Court like upheld the legislature's decisions. And I don't know, she threatened to overrule them, but like 2021 was pretty quiet as far as uh, lockdowns and such go here in Michigan. And then she never like never brought up vax passports for the state. And I think had that not happened, like, of course, she would have been like right on board with that. And but she's also got an election coming up. 
so yeah, to your point, the, the legislators have a lot more power than what they were, what they were letting on last night during the stream. I do like, but like, even in like Florida's case though, DeSantis, from my point of view, I mean, yes, this, if he supports red flag laws, that's not good. But he's been so good on everything else. Like, I almost don't want a bunch of gnats in the legislature, like, <laughs> pestering him, you know? Like, it seems like there's another level of strategy there where you're like, you know, maybe we'll just let this governor do his thing. And I know some of them were saying we're in the age of authoritarianism. Like, I don't know, like, Ron DeSantis authoritarianism seems a whole lot better than our whole country's democracy, democracy right now, so... Right. The Ron DeSantis authoritarianism uh, seems a hell of a lot better than Gavin Newsom's authoritarianism. Seems a hell of a lot better than the authoritarianism that Gretchen Whitmer was rolling with for the better part of a year. Uh, Seems a hell of a lot better than um, Cuomo's authoritarianism. Like maybe if it makes me sound like a statist, okay, but maybe there are some degrees of authoritarianism that aren't necessarily that bad. Like, like DeSantis was overruling, which this is kind of a point maybe in their favor, mm-hmm. but he was overruling a lot of the Republican legislature in 2020, right? Like, like you said, most of them were pretty bad, but DeSantis was just kind of doing his thing with his state. Right. And, uh, and Is I think that a- most Floridians supported that. And those that didn't, a lot of them are leaving and much more are flocking in, but uh, more like mind with uh, DeSantis voters. Well, it's probably why there are a lot of the uh, state legislature seats that are both uncontested and not incumbents, uh, because yeah. those, those incumbents uh, realize that what they were trying to do is not going to fly in the state. So, you know, maybe, maybe some of that change is coming. I mean, like, like the only way that you're going to enact actual change on the red flag stuff is you're going to have to, you're going to have to get in the pocket of lobby groups, or you're going to have to get in pockets of, of legislators, or you're going to have to win legislative seats. Like you don't change the governor's mind on that by running a throwaway candidate against the governor. What, what's that? What's that logic? Really, it's just not understanding human nature, too. Like, if I was Ron DeSantis and they're telling me that this is the only reason they're running a guy against me and they're potentially stealing votes away from me, then I don't know. It's just, I don't think I'm the only one who's like, just piss off, you losers. Well, well that, <laughs> so that was like, you. that was like my opening argument was that in doing this, you're not, you're not, um, you're not building a case for yourself for the average voter. Like a normal, just a normie voter is not looking at Hector running for Florida governor and thinking, oh, yeah, I should definitely go support the Libertarian Party. They're thinking, okay, why is this guy opposing what has been our good governor in pretty much everything in the last two years? There was the, I don't know, somebody on Twitter or something was talking about how uh, DeSantis was a Zionist. Do you know how many people of the average voting population know what that means or even give a single solitary fuck? If that means nothing. You you can harp on 
you can harp on uh, DeSantis being a Zionist and taking his cabinet to Jerusalem or whatever until you're blue in the face. The average voter does not even know what that means or give a shit at all. Like it has nothing to do with where we locked down. And, and to that, you know, to that extent, were they locked down? Yes. Were they locked down as bad as say we were in Indiana with a Republican governor and a Republican supermajority? No, not even remotely close. Were they locked down as bad as you were in Michigan with, uh, Psycho Bitchmer and whatever was going on up there. No, not even remotely close. I'd say of all of us, Magoo is the only one who was less locked down than uh, than Florida because Kemp actually was the last one to lock down and the first one to open back up. But otherwise, I mean, what it was uh, South Dakota and Christy Nome never closed. And then uh, Georgia after that and then. Maybe, I think Florida after that, like maybe Oklahoma. I, I, I'm not 100% positive, but like, hey, uh, okay, so you were top five in terms of the best as far as lockdowns went. Like, you don't really have a lot of room to bitch. I don't. The, the Florida lockdown for two weeks thing argument is one of the dumbest takes I see on the internet. I'm not going to lie. Uh even like Tom Woods, who became like the the crusader against the lockdowns, I remember in March of 2020 was like, I don't want to be the world's greatest libertarian when it comes to the coronavirus because it looks like this thing could be serious. <coughs> you had like Mr. Mr. Libertarian himself saying stuff like that. I don't think that we can uh, go after DeSantis for locking down for two weeks after, as the country did for a whole year and a half. Right. And I, I think it was like, I think it was like 90 days total was what they Whatever were. Whatever it was. But still, I mean, that's, yeah. And, and to that effect, like when the, when the initial, you know, 15 days rolled out, I was like, like, even I was not opposed to it. It's like, okay, like if this is legitimately what needs to be done, cool. Let's, uh, let's take two weeks off and see where things stand. But, like it became very apparent about halfway into that 15 days that there were already plans being made for how to, how to extend the thing out for eternity. And so, and also it was really looking like it wasn't everything that it was. And then in, uh, it was September of 2020 that DeSantis met with all of those health professionals and sort of like reassessed and or assessed like how things went with the lockdown and assessed how things were going. It was like, yeah, we're never locking down again. Those weren't, I mean, those in essence were kind of like lobbyists, right? Like they did more to change the Florida's future by just meeting with DeSantis and causing him to reassess, assess, reassess all these things than threatening to run someone against him because he locked down for 90 days. Right. Like that's that's how you make legitimate change in a state legislature is you you go after lobbying in some way. You go after the actual legislature itself. Like a throwaway governor's campaign does nothing. It doesn't 
it doesn't endear you Build to the brand, actor. Jordan or Justin. Scotty <laughs> Jordan. All right, so that was that was one of the things that I had asked last night. Uh, I said, you know, because I can't remember what the exact point that was being made, but we were um, we were talking about like actual things that have impacted your personal freedom and liberty in the state of Florida, not your but their personal freedom and liberty in the state of Florida. And that was my question: is like, so are you actually wanting to see like freedom and liberty? in your life or are you trying to build your brand? And they immediately said, build the brand. Like, okay, so your entire argument for doing this is fucking useless because I thought the whole point of libertarianism was that you're supposed to be pushing for freedom and liberty. If freedom and liberty is not the number one goal, regardless of how you get it, like it doesn't matter if it's a, it doesn't matter if it's a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, some fucking weird space creature, if they are actually pushing for promoting and enacting things that give you legitimate freedom and liberty in your life, then that's where you should be citing. It shouldn't matter about building a brand. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it was at least a moment of, of honesty from these libertarians. <clears throat> where it really is about clout chasing. I don't know. Because <laughs> um, freedom and liberty, this has been discussed elsewhere, but obviously people have different ideas of what freedom is to them or what liberty is to them. Um, and I know like the whole libertarian trope is that everyone's a libertarian. They just don't know it yet. Or most people are libertarians. They just don't know it yet. This is something I used to say. But I think that's only true, like, insofar as how you rank, like, your own values, right? Like, it should be telling that libertarians say that the bet in our country's, like, 250-year history, the best congressman we've had is a guy that's still alive. Like, they, they can't go back and find someone, like, closer to this country's founding. So that shows you that the political culture of this country isn't, like, purely live and let live libertarianism and a lot of these like MAGA supporters now and the DeSantis supporters who there's a giant overlap between them and, and the MAGA supporters they were actually Ron Paul people in 2008 2012 and their political evolution actually led them to becoming more quote-unquote statist in the eyes, I guess, status in the eyes of libertarians. So this whole idea of selling liberty and freedom, I think, is faulty from their point of view because there are people who were supporting the more the message that they're more aligned with in 08 and in 12 who decided to go with DeSantis and uh, or go with Trump and now like DeSantis because they were more willing and are more willing to use power in bringing about liberty and the things that they value the most. I feel like I went a lot of different ways there. Did that make any sense? <laughs> no, it made perfect sense. It's, okay. it's kind of the delineation that those who fall in, I guess what you would call our camp, the, uh, the dreaded P word, um, Praxians, <laughs> 
Um, oh, I like post libertarian better, but we can just, we can debate that later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Post libertarian has get, been given this stigma that is neither fair nor even close to accurate, but so I, I try to avoid it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an understanding that power exists. And at the end of the day, if you're going to affect change in any way, you have to be willing to take that power by the reins and use it to create that change. You can't just rely on uh, power is not a passive creature that you allow to do what it will. You have to actively engage in it and control it and move it in the direction that you want it to go. Otherwise, um, it's like a car with bad alignment and it always will pull to the left unless you are physically dragging it back to the right. That's, that's power especially in our modern era in the modern governmental system that we see in the U.S. And there are arguments that can be made that um, the power does naturally go more right if left to its own devices in like completely open society with no outside influences, but we don't, that's not like, that's not the world that we live in. So in the world that we live in, power will always go left unless you are, actively pushing it back to the right. And if you are unwilling to grab a hold of that wheel and drive it back to the right, then it's only going to go left. And that's the problem with modern libertarianism or libertarianism in general, not just modern, but is that they don't want to grab that power. It's, I think that's why they push back against using lobbying is because as soon as you say, use the word lobby, they think that's some evil, bad status thing and that you shouldn't be lobbying. Because that's a manipulation of power. Well, fuck, that's the way you make change. Like, you can't be yeah. afraid of power. And, so it's and having a bunch of, like, Florida citizens donate money to your campaign just so you could prove a point. That's worse than lobbying. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that, is, that is actively asking people to waste money at a time when inflation is running rampant, when prices are going out of control and people do not have money to to use for flippant, useless things like this. Like you are you are actively hurting your support base by asking them to donate money to something that's going to accomplish literally nothing. When you could use that exact same amount of money by a by a, by a politician, by a lobbying group, put that money to use to actually affect change. Like you could be you could do something beneficial with it or you could throw it away on a nothing campaign and you're asking them to throw it away on a nothing nothing campaign and like why uh, uh so it was brought up that i think it was what was it 1300 or 1400 dollars to to run a candidate for these house and these state house and senate seats and it's like 5400 dollars to run a candidate for governor so, so you could have put for the price to run a candidate for governor, you could have put three candidates in these House and Senate seats and found winnable races for the $150,000 that you're wanting. You could have run 
a whole bunch of candidates and still run decent campaigns for all of them with that money and been competitive and maybe even won a number of those seats. Like they made the point. They said that the, that LP Florida doesn't run candidates. If you're a state party and you don't run candidates, what's the fucking point of your state party? Like that's it. That should be the entire point. Like, how many, how many delegates did they send to Reno? But you can't put together state candidates to run for actual seats in the state where it means the most. Like, what good does it do you to take over the LP national if you don't have any say in your own state politics? Like, it's it's a fruitless endeavor, as Mark Claire likes to say. He's a wise man. He is a wise man. One of the uh, few shows that I do listen to that has the word liberty in it. <laughs> <laughs> Did they? Um, so it sounds like this dude decided that he was going to, that they almost threw him under the bus kind of last night where he decided he was going to run and he wants to run as a libertarian and they feel like they can't not support him both verbally and monetary wise yeah more more or less they actually said that they said they can't tell him not to run <laughs> I, I caught that part and i was like wow it's surprisingly honest here like i don't know i feel like you you're not a strong party um if you if you can't tell a guy like look man this is not what we're focusing on here well and and like they talked about how they need to run him so that they can create this like top down uh, notoriety for the party so that they can run people for these other positions. How, how long did he say he's been an active member of the LP Florida, like 14 years or something like, okay, so what have y'all been doing for the last 14 fucking years? Like you haven't, you haven't been building that you haven't been running candidates for anything. Like it, it just, it really feels like you're, your state party is completely useless and flaccid all the way around. Like you, you have done nothing to build your brand up to this point, but now you're going to try to use a throwaway campaign against what was arguably one of the best governors on the issue of the last, you know, two years. Uh, you're going to use that to build your brand. Like that's, it is the, uh, it is the definition of what like the criticism of the Mises caucus has been is that they're uh, immature and edgelordy is like, that's what this campaign feels like. It's, it's immature and edgelordy. Like you don't have any control over your state party. You don't have any control over candidates. You don't have as a party, you don't have anything going for you. And then you're going to run a protest candidate against one of the best governors in the country. That's you, you're, you're kind of, giving the ammunition to all of your critics. There it is. It's all uh, masturbatory. Even his own camp was caught off guard by him running. It's like there's like a barbecue buffet and DeSantis is the barbecue buffet and offers all of the meats. And these libertarians are complaining that not all vegetables are available. So they're like, we're going to open our own buffet and we will allow all vegetables to be available. 
but it's not ever going to be open to the public because we can't get it open. It's just a, it's a virtue signal run, virtue signal buffet. I, I, to be fair, I did appreciate the opportunity to go on. I, I do understand some of, I Sorry. do understand some of what they were saying, but I, I, like I felt like a lot of my own personal arguments and points were either um, ignored or just not heard. I'm not sure. It it, it felt like when they opened the argument, when the argument was opened with, even if Ron Paul was running for governor as a Republican, that you should run a libertarian against him. Like you just, you, you just gave away the game. That was the moment you, Justin knew he had made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. You gave away the game before we ever even got a, an opportunity to start. Like you don't care about the things that you claim you care about. You care about your party and that fittingly that L next to your name. Like that's, that's what your priority is, is having somebody with an L on the ticket, not freedom and liberty. And you know, I, mean, I also noticed how they, uh, this seems to be like a thing with the LPMC. They're like, if only Hector could go and Dave Rubin, which I laughed, genuinely laughed out loud at that, but <laughs> I think I you can make this in the chat as well. <laughs> Think you just put like ha 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 yeah ha, 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 ha. yeah I, I did do that, <clears throat> but this is the thing that they always resort to. It's like Dave Smith goes on Tim Pool, Joe Rogan. I guess Hector's going on Dave Rubin. Yeah, really make their really make their case. I don't. I didn't understand why Dave Rubin. Is he in Florida? Did he move to Florida? I don't know. I don't, I don't think. I don't, I'm not even a big Dave Rubin fan, but I don't think he. From what I know about Dave Rubin, I don't think he would support a libertarian candidate running against DeSantis. Because if he did move to Florida, he did it just because of DeSantis. Right. I mean, it's there are a lot of people that move to Florida just because of DeSantis. There are a lot of libertarians who move to Florida just because of DeSantis. Like. <laughs> that was. It's probably the best Dave Rubin moment of all time. Now I'm voting for Trump. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's humorous how much pull they think that they have with with some of these things. Like, um, like I'm sorry. Like even even here, even with one of the most successful governor candidates the LP has ever put forth on a ticket anywhere in history. He got 13% of the vote. And the way that the Libertarian Party has gone about actually enacting change and positive momentum in stuff is to go after legislators who can be influenced and to buy lobbies and put money where it needs to go to make change. That great, great governor run gained nothing effectively. I mean, it was impressive. It was really cool to see it happen. It has been less effective than just boots on the ground 
going after the people who can be influenced and where changes can be made. Like that's actual, actual activism is how political change is made, not throwaway campaigns. And you're not going to get 13% in Florida. You're not going to get 8%. You're going to be lucky to scratch that 2% that they got in whatever it was, 2014 or whenever the, that one guy ran that they talked about. And honestly, the wider the margin of victory DeSantis's is in Florida, the greater win for Liberty. Like you want a wide, you want a massive like win there because it right, proves that these people were not completely, that we were against or Floridians were against the lockdowns completely. Right. Because that's a, that's a wholesale rejection of all things left. That's a wholesale rejection of all things that the Democrats would push for, because no matter which candidate it is, I guarantee you they were pro lockdown. They were anti DeSantis, not locking down. And if there is a second one, which Joe Biden has already said, there's a second pandemic coming. Yeah. Uh, Right. There's going to be another round of lockdowns. You, and you want a governor who is like DeSantis. You want more of them. Right. You want a governor who's going to be against the lockdown, who isn't going to enact the next one, who's going to stand up for that. And if you have a Democrat in office, that's not going to happen. And they act like there's no chance that DeSantis could ever lose. Uh, DeSantis only ran or only won by, what was it, 33,000 votes in um 18? Like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a lot. Yeah. I mean, he won by 33,000 votes running against a fucking crackhead. And like literal fucking crackhead. The real libertarian candidate. <laughs> uh, so so you're telling me like, oh, there's no chance that this could like there's no chance that we could be a, a threat to to him. Okay. So if you can't threaten him, then what's the fucking point? Because if you can't threaten him, then by running, you're not going to push him. And if you can threaten him, then by running, you create the chance that you end up with New York of the South when the next pandemic hits. Because the next one's coming. It's not like that's not in question. Joe Biden's already said it like they're they're already preparing for it. I did, whether it'll be another new variant of COVID or. If somehow they'll try to get uh, monkeypox to start transferring to gay, uh, to straight people or, you know, whatever. Climate pandemic. Climate pandemic. I mean, whatever the next pandemic is, it's coming. It's it's on its way. They just haven't decided how to roll it out yet. And there will be more lockdowns. So, you know, if you fuck this up and you don't have a DeSantis, when that next round of pandemic comes, then what? Then you're screwed. And when you have a DeSantis, you have all these other governors like Abbott and I mean, no one was locked down or didn't lock down <clears throat> before DeSantis didn't. But I like I even like the candidates running for governor against Bitchmer up here. They're repeating. They're not saying DeSantis's name because I don't think that would be in their best interest, but they're repeating DeSantis type talking points like criminalizing like parents who bring their kids to drag shows like that's a DeSantis type thing you get all these copycat governors which again would be a greater win for liberty if DeSantis is reelected and does so by a landslide right look across the countryside and look at the republican governors who changed their stance on stuff over the last year and how much do they align with what DeSantis 
did and has done, you know, since all of this first started. Uh, I mean, like, like you said, like Christy Noem, Kemp, they, they kind of uh, did their own thing and, and, you know, kept it. Uh, they kept it on the level for, for what they did, but like Abbott, Abbott was totally a Florida copycat. Everything that Texas did, they did it a month after Florida did it. Like, and how many other states have been like that? Well, I mean, Virginia elected what they thought, what they think is their DeSantis after years of a Democrat uh, governor. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it has been influencing um, elections just over the last year and a half anyway. Let's see. Jim says he sent me some clips. Now I got to go find the. Uh, I have too many Facebook accounts. To his uh, point earlier about the everyone's a libertarian until they get in the voting booth, and we talked about Indiana. My brother is a Indiana resident. I remember talking to him leading up to the election in 2020 about rainwater. I was like, "Have you checked this guy out?" He's like, "Yeah, he's really interesting. I like like all of what he's saying," and our governor like you've documented, Justin is like really failing us. But I do know that once he got in the booth, he still voted for, I don't know what your governor's name is. Holcomb. Holcomb. When push came to shove because he didn't want the Democrat in there because that'd be a whole lot worse. And he knew Rainwater didn't have a chance. See, that that was the thing was, I guess that was the thing for me is because Indiana is such a, red supermajority state like there was zero percent chance that the, the that the democrat would ever win like in order for the democrat to even come close to sniffing getting enough of a vote to win the libertarian would have to almost be pushing up on winning himself like statistically yeah. it, it was statistically impossible for the democrat to win you um, are more in tune, though. Like we're talking about regular folks. Oh, like, yeah, you're more yeah. in tune to politics than my brother is. He's he's fairly. I mean, he's interested, but I don't, he's kind of like a passive interest at this. So, and most of the people voting in Florida, they're not in tune like we are. So they're going to get in the voting booth. They're not even going to look at the name next to the L. Right, and like, Hopefully not. like for for uh, for the example of Indiana, like. In both debates, you had the Republican candidate up there saying, well, we locked down and we did all this to keep you safe. And then you had the Democrat candidate saying, well, they didn't do enough. We should actually be doing more. And then you had the Libertarian candidate up there saying, we shouldn't be locking down at all. This is all bullshit. This is not the way that we should have been doing this. And that's not the way I would have done it. And in both debates, all of the polls showed that the Libertarian candidate when it was winning the won the debates easily with 80 to 86 percent of the vote and and like the democrat came in dead last like pulling under five percent on on all of those polls so like everybody was on board with the libertarian messaging but then when it came election day um i think i think the i i can't remember what it actually was but i think holcomb still ended up taking like 65 percent of the vote or more it's like you know it, so everybody Everybody heard it and everybody, you know, bought in on the messaging like, yeah, that libertarian guy, he's really on to something. And then when it came time to vote for it, it was like, yeah, but I'm going to vote for the guy that's not saying we should lock down more, even though he 
already locked us down once. Like, so yeah, I mean, how much, how much change do you affect? Like, most people can't look at the, uh, most people can't look at the basic numbers and and understand the statistical odds of how this is going to play out. Like, I'm, yeah. like I'm good with numbers. That's that's one of the things that I do well. Um, but most people don't look at that. They're like, like. Like I said, like statistically, in order for the Democrat to have won, there would have been an equal chance that the Libertarian would have won, like for it to get to that point. Like uh, so much of the Republican vote would have had to have turned to the Libertarian candidate that there would have been an equal probability that the Libertarian would have won as that the Democrat would have won. So like that's not going to happen, right? Like anybody who's got two brain cells to rub together knows that's not happening. So like I can throw away my vote and vote for the libertarian because there's no way that the Democrat is actually going to win. Um, but in Florida or especially in Georgia, that's not the case. Like that's not the case at all. It's like these have historically been close elections. It's not like it's not, it's not like you've got like a, one side is going to win in a landslide regardless of who the opposition is. So, so, you know, you have to, you have to think about that when you're, uh, when you're putting together a campaign like this, let's see what let's see what Magoo's got for us. Yeah, that like would be stuff great. like that. I think we should do. Should we ever be in a situation where we're going to be the difference between a Democrat winning <laughs> the governorship of Florida over Ron DeSantis? No, because that's insane. If you actually care about liberty, so yeah. yeah like so that I mean, that's seems like a pretty good one right there i mean what we got on this one? rand paul or marrying but you know what i mean but running against rand paul or thomas massey or something like that i i find this to be insane of course not what do you, you want to maybe like pull liberty voters away from like the couple good guys that we have this it just makes no sense seems pretty clear it seems like it. Um, I was uh, I was informed on Twitter a few weeks ago that Dave is the LP. So, when's he gonna when's he gonna step in and end these shenanigans in Florida? See, that's I mean, doesn't sound like Hector is technically endorsed by the LP Florida since they don't actually yeah, run just candidates. can't not support him, <laughs> or however it was phrased. Wow. I don't. It's. I'm not sure what's going on down there. It seems really soft. It seems really um, disorganized. It's not a good look for a political party when, like, that's your. That's your message is. Hey, we didn't run this guy. He chose to do it on his own, and we have no say. Like, really, that's that's going to really endear the average voting public to get on your side and think, yeah. I want to join these libertarian fellas. They've really got their shit together. They don't know who's running. And they have no control over who's running. They're just out here all willy-nilly. Bravo. Bravo. <clears throat> um, since Rand Paul's name was brought up, one thing that's always annoyed me, and I think it kind of relates to the conversation, is how apparently Rand Paul basically completely dropped his father's baton after he handed it off to him, which Rand Paul's 2016 presidential one was, was pretty bad. But like, this is a, 
know, this is something libertarians say uh, about how like the Ron Paul legacy wasn't able to live on and they have to revive it because Rand Paul foiled it or whatever. Um, but I mean, you had Ron Paul harping against the wars during the Bush years, but that's bas- basically what he was doing is he was a voice box and it was a very important one. Whereas you did have a more non-interventionist type in Trump in the White House and Rand Paul was obviously reminding him of what he ran on. He didn't end the wars like he said he was going to do. Trump didn't. But I think Rand Paul was responsible in preventing other ones from starting. So this is kind of the difference between using power versus just kind of being a voice of principle. Also, you had Rand Paul. I mean, you had Rand Paul like completely harping against Fauci for two years now, and it's been great. So I don't like all this talk about Rand Paul failing or dropping the legacy. Right. I think the uh, I think we hit it on hit it on it or talked about it last night. Like, uh, I, actually, I'm 100 percent positive that Magoo even used the exact line. He's like, "You are you're letting perfect be the enemy of good." Like you. If it doesn't live up to exactly whatever your standard is, I, I said it myself. I was like, because they talked about how Christy Nome didn't lock down at all. I said, but you would still oppose her and try to run somebody against her because she's bad on marijuana legalization. And they're like, yes, I'm like you're fucking useless. You're controlled opposition. Like that's that's it. If you if you can't take your wins for what they're worth, then you have no value. I'm sorry. Uh, like, I, I I really tried hard, but that's like that's this where, is we where are. this is where I'm like really this is where my real like no longer libertarian stances come in. If South Dakota is like seventy seventy five percent voting for Christy Nome to be their governor, and they don't want marijuana to be legalized there, then I'm actually fine with that. It's a rural, completely red state. I think that's great. (laughs) The U.S. is a big place. I actually think the state legislature attempted to pass marijuana legalization and she vetoed it. Did she? So, so, yes, like she's bad on that. Okay, so, you know, you find ways to lobby against her on that, not run a libertarian candidate to get zero percent of the vote and like what there are meaningful ways to go about enacting change and throw away candidates against good and i'm not even saying that either one of them are liberty republicans they're just not fucking horrible republicans like they actually have enacted and stood for freedom and liberty through the tyranny that is the past two years. You have to take your wins where you can get them. Because if you're not taking those wins and pushing for more, then it's it's just going to go in the other direction. That's that's like we talked about earlier with the you know the car that pulls left. That's That's where we are. You have to take those wins and rack them up and keep moving forward with them. And, you know, to that effect, those are actual wins. What what has the Libertarian Party got to show for for wins and successes as far as any of this stuff is concerned? Like if you're not if you're not finding a way to utilize the, the ones who are winning 
and to use that to push your own agenda, then what's what's the point? What do you what what do you do? Why do you exist? Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> All right, we ranted about that long enough. You got anything you want to plug? Same shit as usual. Go Same follow, shit as usual. Go follow Mark Substack, the Divergent. He's writing a bunch of <laughs> the Emergent. That's it. The Emergent. I was close. I don't know why I said Divergent. Uh, probably because I do want to do a uh, book review of that some at some point. I got books on the brain today. Uh, so yeah, go go subscribe to the Emergent if you haven't already. He's been writing a bunch of stuff about the Puritans, so that's really engaging. Puritans, Quakers, Cavaliers, not just the Puritans. Not just the Puritans, my bad. Um, yeah, check us out on Friday on the morning after. Usually Friday's shows are absolute shit shows, so you should really tune in for that one because there's no telling what we will talk about, but it will probably be wild and off the wall. You may see Clyde get kicked out of a park. I mean, that's a that's a chance on just about every show. You could witness a traffic accident, that's although true. those only seem to happen off off air. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've got my left headlight is out, so I might as well knock out the, the right one because I'm neither right nor left. I'm a libertarian. <laughs> oh, <look. laughs> oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up on that. Tune back on Monday for the next episode of Fact Check This Podcast, where I will be talking about, uh, actually, I think I'm going to finally get around to talking about the deep state and why the deep state is actually a good thing, for fuck's sake. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks.